as a difficult situation. Girl gets introduced to a guy. They can't stand each other, hate each other even. But then something happens. They form a connection and you're thinking of a happy ending until one final secret or drama happens or some truth comes out. All is lost. But then they realize love triumphs over everything and they're willing to forgive or walk away, leave everything no matter the cost. Then you get your happy ending. Formula, copy, paste, repeat, sell millions of copies. When Bridgerton came out on Netflix, hundreds of women muttered together, about damn time. For those of us who have loved and read romance novels, you know, Chandra Rhymes series was right up our alley. And it was based on a book that many of us have probably read. Love, drama, secrets, hot young folks, dresses, dancing, scandal. Yeah, I kind of snuck in scandal there. So I got curious, as an owner of many of these modern and historical romance series, why do people love reading romance books so much? And I'm asking as someone who's read them for decades. I'm Katie O, and I'm the host of Curious Katie O, a podcast where we talk about topics I'm curious about, ask questions, and try to understand. These topics are random because so am I. And if that's your style, I'd encourage you to subscribe and share with me what you're curious about. In 2023, there were over 39 million romance books sold, a growth of 52% from the prior year. I bet the world needed a little bit of love and escapism. In fact, according to Words Rated, who publishes all things romance and statistics, the romance category is the largest of fiction books with over one and a half billion in revenue every year. Damn, that's a lot of love. So we've established that romance is a moneymaker, no question. But what about it makes it connect with the audiences? So I'll jump into the obvious. I'll admit that it's fun to think about yourself in the role of a woman who has some rich, handsome duke with who, like no woman could tame, who falls helplessly in love with you and would fight whatever he's feeling and give it all up for you. And that sounds pretty good, right? It's it's fun because it's so far-fetched. Not the fighting part, right? Couples probably, you know, one's not quite right for each other, fight all the time. And some people get into relationships because of the drama and the fighting. Something we've all done probably at one point in our lives. I'm hoping most of you have outgrown that. Um, and I'm one of the lucky ones. I've been married, um, it'll be 25 years this year. Um, we still love and like each other. Um, and it was the best decision I ever made. But he's not a duke, so... Oh, so close. There are about 25 different romance categories from like super contemporary to historical, science fiction, fantasy, new adult, young adult. When I started looking into this, some of these I've read, but the science fiction romance had me kind of intrigued. It's like love on a spaceship. You know, I guess it could happen anywhere. It's Interesting because with books, more than any other form of entertainment, I think people can get super segmented and specific to a topic or an idea that's for a specific audience, a, a weird configuration or combined interests that come together to create a story. It's like taking romance plus spaceships, plus the planet Mars, plus knitting, plus horticulture, plus war, and you've got a new idea for a novel. Once I get through my current stack of books, I'm totally going to check out the science fiction one just because I'm curious. 
Me, I default to historical romance with a bit of modern romance with magic tied in. Um, you know, some duke or earl that's got a ton of money and women everywhere and doesn't actually do anything of value, but he has this heart of stone with gold underneath, right? That's how the story typically goes. Usually flawed or damaged in some way. He has women he doesn't really care about around him all the time. And he's resigned himself to the fact that he's never going to find love. The woman is usually hiding some secret and has to find a husband in a lot of these historical ones or society is going to toss her out. Oh, my goodness. That is why it's so shocking when it smacks him in the face that a woman who is 100% not what he wants or thinks is exactly what he ends up falling in love with. It's this idea of opposites attract, the oldest story in the book. The women are always wearing dresses, changing multiple times a day. There are servants everywhere. There are parties like the official kind that are boring, and I can only imagine the smell of a room of people with perfume trying to cover up the fact that they don't bathe on the regular. Or there's the illicit parties that good ladies aren't supposed to know about but are way more fun and scandalous. Marriages are typically arranged. Um, for a woman who is ruined or perceived as ruined and the reluctant guy steps up to save the day and they end up falling in love. So in reality, there, there aren't that many and there weren't that many dukes and most of them were probably super old or oddly shaped. But in these books, they're the best looking, most athletic, tall, amazing. Because why not? Hello, it's like fiction. So I have to reconcile the fact that that's what these stories are with the fact that I like wearing pants. I like wearing shorts. I have a job. I went to school. I don't like big parties. And I would lose it if the most important part of my day was gossiping in a living room all afternoon about, you know, topics with other fancy dressed people drinking tea and eating biscuits. Um, you would find me fast asleep in the corner. And if I were to be removed from society for swearing, um, I'd probably last in society about 45 minutes. Um, if I were in these books, I would be on the front page of the paper in the 1800s for being completely heathen, crazy woman. So why is historical romance a guilty pleasure of mine? It's a character so different from my life today, and I can escape into the story, which is what these books are really about. It's about escapism. One of the main reasons is your thought process behind choosing these books says a lot about you. Are you hoping to learn something? Do you have to read a book like this? Or do you have to read a lot of other books and this is a book you're choosing? Did you join a book club and you can't back out? You know, for me, romance novels are like ice cream. It is a guilty pleasure, something that feels good. It's predictable. I totally know what I'm going to get. And in good doses, it's great. I can't have ice cream at every meal and expect to be able to be healthy. But every once in a while, your brain needs a break, a cleansing meal of drama and fun where you know that the ending is going to be happy, it's going to resolve, even if you're not sure how you're going to get there. It's why some of us can watch a series multiple times, whether it's a book series or even watch a TV series. I read a lot of work or professional books, which some days feels more like school, unless the book is really good, which is rare. Usually I get nuggets out of it and I've got to read an entire book to get two or three ideas that might be relatable. So for me, these romance books with a predictable flow or beats to the story, it allows my brain to relax and enjoy without having to learn 
absorb, remember, and try to apply the information. My husband once asked me about a book series I brought on vacation and, and if I had already read it. Um, the book looked a little tattered. That's probably why he was asking. And I said I had. Um, I didn't tell him that I probably read it about eight or nine times at that point. Um, and he asked why. Um, good question, since he usually reads a book, usually science fiction, um, reads it once and adds it to his Excel spreadsheet and moves on to the next. Um, side note, he tracks his books and reports to me each year how many he's read um, from his Excel spreadsheet. I have no idea how far back this Excel spreadsheet goes but it's the way an engineering brain tracks and measures information. So side note, if you have an engineering husband, they might be doing that too. My answer to him is why I was reading it again is because I missed the characters and I wanted to see what they were up to. You know, and in the face of it, that answer sounds kind of crazy, um, but it was true. You know, I liked the characters. I liked seeing their journey. I wanted to visit them again. I always get a little something each time I read the series, some piece I missed the first time or the eighth time. I love reading books in a series, so you get to know each of the characters' story, and you get to have a longer drama play out. Seeing what the characters are up to after the final kiss, because they hop back into the next book. Many of them I read are trilogies with three women on an adventure or at a specific place in their life, but I'll handle a quad or a quint, you know, a four or a five, if there is an author that I really like. I can sit back in my chair by the pool, paperback book in hand, because I am a little old school, kick back and find myself neck deep into the story. And I know what's going to happen, so I can just enjoy. I can pick it up and put it down as I need to. And it allows me to just remember these characters and the story that originally brought me in to liking them in the first place. I know why I like reading these books, but I was curious about why others do. One thing that keeps coming up was the journey. For many readers, it's not about the ending per se, but the process to get there. We have a general sense that it will likely be happy, but the rough road along the way makes the story interesting. For some folks, they like the steamy love scenes. You know, that's why for non-Bridgerton folks and other romance novels were shocking. But for us seasoned readers, it was like, yeah, that's another Tuesday. I mean, they do get hot and heavy, and why not? That's kind of the point, that you've got these two people that have crazy chemistry, and it shows. But as I was looking into it, one thing that may surprise you is that Esquire had an article about more men reading romance novels, like 18 to 20% of romance readers are men. And my guess is the smart ones who see a romance book on their girlfriend's or wife's shelf and picks it up to read might get some ideas of how to spice things up, how to have a romantic date, or see what's in their lady's head. You know, I always have a phrase, um, whether in life or at work, that good ideas can come from anywhere, right? You never know. So let's start with why these seemingly unqualified women are the right ones for these handsome, usually accomplished or wealthy men, right? Like, let's dig into how this, how this happens. So I'm a firm believer that opposites attract like not full opposites, right? You can't have like a flat earther and an astrologist sharing a life together probably, but it's completely common that couples who one might be introverted, one might be extroverted, someone who loves spreadsheets, the other one who tolerates them, one who loads the dishwasher correctly and someone who doesn't. As a side note, and I have used this, if you are ever at an event or a business dinner with couples and the talk kind of dies down and you're not sure what to say next, if you bring up how in a couple, one person loads the dishwasher correctly and the other does not, that conversation is about to get super fun 
and interesting because both people believe they load the dishwasher correctly and will get animated about why the other is a bad loader. So if you ever need a topic of conversation, bring that up. But what brings two opposites together and allows them to thrive is that they have a core set of values that they believe are important. You know, do they share some underlying foundational elements to build upon? Because no two people are alike, right? They can be similar, but they're still different people. And finding someone who shares the key beliefs you have together is what good couples have, even if they degree, disagree on other major things. And that'll happen. If you're with somebody for a long time, your thoughts and ideas are going to change and evolve, and so are theirs. And the key is, do you have these core foundational elements? And that's typically the drama that brings people together in these romance novels. What they have to find is their common cause or a common set of values that they're willing to fight together for or that they believe in. The author has to set the stage for the drama, right? So that's another piece of these. Are you running from an evil spirit? Are you trying to solve a mystery? Are you trying to hide a huge life-changing secret? Whatever the situation, there's some underlying story that draws these two people together, which is also usually never something that happens in real life. I mean, who among us hasn't tried to live our life and solve a hundred-year-old murder at the same time, or wandering around picking flowers and going to dances while fighting against a rogue government trying to destroy everything? My toughest battles in most days comes from a morning commute and slow drivers merging on the highway that require my patience not to yell before the sun comes up. I mean, the speed limit is 70, and you are merging at 45, and you are going to give me gray hair, so step on it. That's usually the biggest drama I have in a given day. So we escape into this other kind of drama and think about what we would do in situations like that. It's like people who put themselves into history because, let's face it, most of us, if we were living a couple hundred years ago, would just be going about our daily lives. We wouldn't be leading battles, fighting monsters, changing the history books, but we can in these. And in many cases, these books celebrate the simple in life and what happens from living a good life that may not be interesting to others, but it is to you. So you get your choice. Any fantasy, especially romance, is about it's really about plucking yourself out of your everyday life into something different and escape to a new world. I believe that people don't lose their ability to imagine and dream. We just shelve it when we get older because of the thousand other things that are cluttering our mind. I remember a TED Talk that was given about how all children are artists. And the goal is to get them through school without that being lost or educated out of them. And I think that that's true. You know, I bet when you were a kid, you played lots of games of imagination. I grew up in the early 80s in a neighborhood of all boys. So I was Princess Leia all the time. When we weren't playing street hockey or football in the front yard. I didn't know I could use the force at the time. Those movies came later. So mostly it was me running around between the good side and the bad side, trying to find a way to escape. And maybe that's why escape rooms, Comic-Con, or Halloween are a way for adults to cut loose and have a day of pretending again, because we miss it. You know, if you work full-time or stay home full-time or you're somewhere in between, I'm sure there are days you imagine being a duchess where you don't have to do anything other than look nice and have a son that's an heir. And yeah, that's about it. You know, I'm not saying I'd want to live that life all the time. Maybe some of you would, um, but for like a month or two not having to make breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Okay, maybe two of those, because in my house, my husband is the way better cook. Um, doing laundry, shopping, again, which I try to do very little, working, having to remember the thousand school theme days, 60 days of doing a whole lot of nothing. 
that's why many of us might be drawn to some of these books. And let's talk about the elephant in the room, right? When Bridgerton came out, a bunch of guys at my work were shocked, shocked, and asked me if I was watching it because there are a bunch of adult scenes in the show. Yeah, I watched it. I also read the book, to which any woman who has read a romance novel in the last three decades went, yep, and just kept moving. You know, I think these guys thought their wives were reading stories where the juiciest thing was a kiss on the cheek. Um, no. I remember, too, people were literally shocked when Fifty Shades of Grey came out. People were like, oh, my gosh, women want to read that stuff? You know, for me personally, um, Fifty Shades was not for me, um, but it was more because of the story and the dialogue that I didn't think was that great, and it didn't have a great plot to carry it through. And I didn't really like the main characters. I, I didn't really care about their specific desires or proclivities in the bedroom. I just didn't like the story. But other stories I can read, they get pretty hot and steamy. You know, I enjoy those. Women's Brains and Imagination, Romance Book. You know, that's that's a nice Saturday afternoon, right? So I'll be really curious in the future if people write historical fiction books about the 1980s the way they write about the 1780s today. Women in curled hair with big bangs, dressed like Madonna, running around different dance clubs. You know, guys in three polo shirts of different colors with the collar turned up. Yikes, that's funny to think about. But whatever the season, year, or topic, whether it's in the past or the future, um, you know, you'll have these authors like Nora Roberts, who's one of my favorites, and I have a ton of her books on my shelf, will tell similar stories about couples finding each other in these extraordinary circumstances. I don't think romance novels are going away. They're just going to change and evolve like everything else. So as we get close to winter, you know, right, grab a blanket, a warm mug of tea or hot chocolate or coffee, tuck yourself in, find a good romance book, and spend your afternoon escaping somewhere else, imagining you're somewhere else. And let me know if you've never tried a romance series, because I'd be happy to recommend some, see if you like them. And if you like this podcast, I encourage you to subscribe and follow me or connect on Instagram at curious underscore KDO. And happy reading.